listening to Law and Gospel on this December the 16th. It is a Monday in the year of our Lord 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and as is our custom on Mondays, we examine one of the readings for the following Sunday, which is the fourth Sunday in Advent, and that's going to be December the 22nd. Readings are from Psalm 24, Isaiah 7, Romans 1, and Matthew 1. Now, for Advent, we're going to be taking a look at Matthew 1 because it really talks about the birth of Jesus Christ taking place in a certain way. Matthew 1, verse 18 you need to realize that the first 17 verses of Matthew are a genealogy of Jesus Christ. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So it starts with Abraham, who is the father of Isaac, the father of Jacob, the father of Judah, etc., etc., all the way down to verse 16, where it talks, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So that is the lineage from Abraham down to Joseph. Another book of the Bible has a lineage and genealogy to Mary. At any rate, this is the line from whom Jesus is born. So we begin with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. We need to understand that the word Jesus was the name that Mary was given in the Gospel of Luke to her to her son. And of course, Joseph therefore called him Jesus. Jesus, the, the word Jesus itself uh, refers to Jehovah is salvation. There are actually in the Hebrew a uh, number of people called Joshua. But Joshua, of course, was the one who took over from Moses and was the famous leader of the Israelites, uh, Moses' successor. Then we do have others who were named Joshua, but in the Greek, Jesus is the Greek translation for Joshua, and it refers to saving us. The word Christ is not the name of Jesus. It is a title, although it can be understood as his name, uh, unless one would understand Pastor Tom Baker is my full name, but pastor is the title. I wasn't born Pastor Baker. I guarantee you when my parents saw me, they didn't say, oh, that's Pastor Tom. No. <laughs> Christ is the Greek for the Hebrew word Messiah, and it means anointed one. 
So this is Jesus of Nazareth, who was anointed by God. Now, when his mother Mary, I'm in verse 18, had been betrothed to Joseph. Now, a lot of us think of betrothal as an engagement, but we need to understand that when you were betrothed to someone, that was a very legal relationship, which meant that you were going to get married. To break this betrothal or engagement would actually lead to a divorce in the eyes of people. And therefore, you can imagine Joseph's surprise when Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, but before they came together, that is, before they were married and had relationships, she was found to be with child. And then it says, from the Holy Spirit. I've often made the point that the Apostles' Creed is simply a coming together of specific verses from the Bible. Remember, conceived by the Holy Spirit. There are a lot of unfortunate pastors, they call themselves pastors, but they really aren't, who believe that Joseph and Mary actually had a relationship and Jesus was the result of that. They don't believe that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. But this is very clear in verse 18. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And that's very, very important to understand before they had relationships. So, you would imagine Joseph would want to divorce her. Verse 19, and her husband Joseph, uh, notice in verse 19 in the ESV, he already is referred to husband. In fact, it's also the King James, the New American Standard, the NIV, and the New King James all refer as husband. And that means that in that day, they were considered married, but there's no doubt that there was a time coming when they would have uh, a wedding. Now, the, the word husband, actually in the Greek, is just the word for uh, male. Uh, and it is used to distinguish between an adult and a boy. But one can say that it's used many a times to be talking about already betrothed. And as I said, uh, legally, they were a relationship of husband and wife, but it says he was a just man. Now, what does that mean? Uh, it, it's the word for righteous, but it's not righteous in the sense that before God. 
it's the idea that he had a great reputation and that he was well known to be trustworthy, etc. He really loved Mary and he was unwilling, it says, to put her to shame. Now, that simply means that he didn't want to make an example out of her. What would that mean? Well, it's very clear that if a woman commits adultery, she can be stoned. Uh, Remember that time that Jesus was involved with that situation where they were about to stone her, and he said, he who is without sin casts the first stone, and they all walked away. And then he asked her, where are they who accuse you while they were gone? And Jesus says, I also do not accuse you. You are forgiven, but do not sin anymore. A lot of people leave out that part as though Jesus is saying that he accepts her as committing adultery and continuing to commit adultery. No. So he wanted to uh, resolve to divorce her quietly. What does that mean? Well, you either would have the woman stoned or you would just announce that she was pregnant prior to their marriage ceremony, and therefore, you would leave it at that. People would assume then that Joseph was the one who got Mary pregnant, because if he was not the one, he would have stoned her. A lot of people forget how much he loved her and how humble a man he was not wanting to put her to shame. Verse 20, as he was thinking about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. Very, very important because we're going back to the genealogy where Joseph is from the house of David. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Well, this was in a dream. Can can you imagine you woke up from a dream and then you go ahead and fulfill what the angel says? How is that possible? Why wouldn't you just think, well, that was just a dream? Uh, all of us have dreams and sometimes when I wake up from them, it doesn't take long before you forget the dream. What was I dreaming about? Cause it was a good dream and I wish things had happened that way, but they didn't, or it was a nightmare and boy, am I glad I ever dreamed it because it never happened. But I, I never wake up and say, well, that's God telling me to do something. And if he says that that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, well, I'm going to believe that. Well, why would Joseph do that? This is clearly 
an example of God instilling faith in the heart of Joseph to believe the words of the angel. Now, this was a dream. Not uh, long before this, Zechariah actually had an angel, Gabriel, speaking to him, not in a dream, and he doubted that his wife Elizabeth would conceive and bear a son, John the Baptizer. And so he was made mute until the birth of John. And he actually was seeing the angel. This was a dream. Now, faith is always based on the word of God. And that's why the Old Testament reading for this day is from Isaiah chapter 7, with the Lord speaking to Ahaz, A-H-A-Z, a prophet. He said, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, there's some who want to argue as to whether that is virgin or young woman, but in the context, it's clearly a virgin, one who had had no relationship, but she's going to conceive. Perhaps Joseph remembered that verse, and therefore, when the angel told him that the conception was from the Holy Spirit, he considered these things. He heard what the angel said, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Then the angel goes on, verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's um, very, very important. In, fa in fact, um, Matthew uh, speaks about this item, fulfilling the prophecy, which is verse 22. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And guess what prophet? Yep, it's Isaiah chapter 7. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, that's a Hebrew word, Emmanuel, but it's made up of three words. And the words are El, that's the word for God, and Iman is with us. So what you have here is a prophecy coming true that Jesus is God with us. So once Joseph hears what is said, and once he is reminded of what the prophet Isaiah 
said, when he woke from his sleep, verse 24, he did as the angel commanded him. He took his wife. In other words, he had a wedding ceremony and married uh, Mary, took her as his wife. Uh, the NIV talks about took Mary home as his wife. Uh, the NIV is somewhat of a paraphrase. The word Mary doesn't appear in the original, but the other part is he took to him his wife. And that means they got married. But the next phrase, verse 25, is pretty important. But he knew her not. That word know is similar to what Mary said when the angel said, you will bear a son. And she says, I ha have not known a man. Well, obviously, she knew men. That's not what the meaning is, just about being aware that there were males in the world. But new means she did not have a relationship with a man to bear a child. And that's when the angel told her that the Holy Spirit will overshadow her and the son she will bear will be conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now, Matthew 125 gets into a, an argument that a lot of uh, individuals have. Did Mary have any other children? And it says, he knew her not until she had given birth. And that's the Greek word. It's called herias. And what it means is till or until. It is often talking about up to that point. So it sounds like they did have children afterwards. But as I said, there are a number who disagree with that. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church, I believe, teaches she had no other children. And that uh, even when she gave birth to Jesus, she remained a virgin uh, from a medical point of view. But it says here, he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And then we get the promise fulfilled where the angel says to Joseph in a dream, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. The father always named the son. Remember when John the baptizer was born, Zacharias called him John and people were surprised because normally you name your first son with your name. But the angel had told him to call him John. And so therefore, that's what he did when he received back his ability to speak. He no longer was mute. 
So we have this uh, tremendous situation where Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit, Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary. That's what our creed says. So she was still a virgin when Jesus was born. And the creed goes on then, suffered under Pontius Pilate, etc. The Apostles' Creed really doesn't have much gospel in it, namely promises, uh, until you get to the third article. But it does have historic facts. A lot of people say these days, among liberals, that the Bible should not be regarded as true history that the disciples actually made up history to fit their preconceived notions of who Jesus should be. So somebody probably had read Isaiah, the, the text which speaks about being born of a virgin, chapter seven, and they concocted this story. Well, that's really quite ridiculous. When Paul was converted on the road to Damascus, he not only had conversations with the apostles, he also had conversations with Mary. And therefore, there's nothing in any of Paul's epistles that contradicts the notion that Jesus was born of a virgin conceived by the Holy Spirit. We celebrate that at Christmas. Now, in the Roman Catholic Church, they believe that Mary was born sinless. And I don't understand that, because therefore Mary's birth is a greater miracle than the birth of Jesus. Remember, conceived by the Holy Spirit, that means he was conceived by God himself, And therefore, the only miracle that occurred is that when he was conceived and born, he did not have original sin from Mary. That was not passed on. He was sinless. But Mary's birth, if she was sinless, meant that even though her father was a sinner and her mother was a sinner, guess what? She wasn't. So that was a double miracle if Mary was sinless. Well, we don't believe that Mary was sinless. In fact, later on in a song, she even refers to Jesus as her Savior. Well, what would she need a Savior for if she was sinless? So this is what Christmas is really all about. It's about the coming into the world of God himself in the form of a human being. And why did he come? In order to, as the angel said, to save people from their sins. Now that doesn't mean he gives you power to stop from sinning. What it means is that he paid for your sins. He took upon himself the punishment And that did occur at the cross. My God, my God, why 
have you forsaken me? And he was forsaken in order that you will never be forsaken who believe in the promises of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, very important text in preparation for Christmas, which in many churches will take place the following Wednesday, Christmas Eve, with some churches having a service also on Christmas Day. On the next Law and Gospel with Mark Smith, we'll examine the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, God with us. We look forward to having you listen. Tom Baker, God listen bless. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, row 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.